Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Thank you, my love. That's my bride of 54 years. Of course, we, uh, we thank you, we married young. I was 12, she was 10. So, uh... <laughs> Well, I had to say that. It's obvious that was not the case. But I want to thank Pastor Jeff for, for allowing me to bring the word this morning. Uh, last Sunday when he preached out of uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, uh, I knew we were going into 4. And chapter 4 of Ephesians is, is a chapter that I absolutely love. In fact, I spent months in chapter 4 a long time ago just looking at that first verse. In chapter 4. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and then I'm going to skip over to verses 17 through 19. So if you wouldn't mind, let's honor God this morning and stand for the reading of his word. I'm going to read verse 1 first and then 17 through 32. Paul begins this, this way. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a, uh, a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, chew on that for just a minute. Paul here is saying, I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And then beginning in verse uh, 17, he says this. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and put on the new self which is the likeness of God has created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity, verse 28. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who is need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. May God be praised in the reading of his word. You may be seated. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth now and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my strength and my redeemer. As we go into chapter 4, 
uh, Paul is going to make what I believe is a, a fundamental statement to you and I about our walk with the Lord. And he, and he says it this way. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So he is, he's encouraged us. I, I've been called. Many of you have been called. So we're to walk in a manner worthy. That word worthy also means deserving. Deserving of the calling with which you have been called. So I ask myself this question. This is what I chewed on. So what exactly does that look like? How do I do that? How do I walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which I've been called? There is one word, and the simple answer is obedience. Obedience. Now, that's, that's the simple answer, obedience. Obedience to the will of God comes first, right? Right, church? Amen? Amen, walls? Yeah, so that we're supposed to be obedient to the will of God first in our life, but I think we need to dig a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper than just the word obedience. And see, what, what does that really mean? And what it took me to was belief. And I'm going to talk about a belief in two parts, okay? So kind of stay with me in this. The first belief I'm going to talk about is a belief that leads us to salvation. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but what? But, but Jesus uh, is the gift of God. 1 John 1.9, Marianne, where are you? Marianne. Yeah, that's Marianne's favorite verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 tells us if we confess with our mouth uh, that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Why? Because with the heart... Results in righteousness, confession of the mouth, results what? In salvation. And so this is a belief unto salvation. Uh, Acts 2.21 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, so many of us, many of you in here have prayed that prayer, right? I would say that the majority of us in here know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And if you don't, I pray that by the end of this service, you'll find one of the leadership here and you'll find out how to become that child of the king. But we all have this belief unto salvation. So we're, we're saved. That's, that's church words, right? We're saved. We're, we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we know him. That's a belief unto salvation. But there's another part of belief that I think we really need to get into and what we're going to look at this morning, and that's a belief unto obedience. We're saved, but that salvation comes with a demand that we be obedient to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, there's a very simple statement. If I believe, I obey, right? I mean, that's pretty simple. If I believe, I obey, and we know that. But are we, are we walking in that obedience? I think that's the, that's the real question. Verses 17 through 32 are all about, I believe, I obey. But I think this is the one we really have a problem with, obedience. Think about our lives. Think about our, 
our idea of being a Christian. We come down the aisle, or maybe in your own home, you say the words, you ask Jesus into your heart, you ask the Holy Spirit to come in there, you go into the baptismal waters, and you're good. And I go to church on Sundays, spend a couple hours in church, and I'm good. That's my walk with God. I'm good. That, that's not right. When we say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin a lifelong adventure of obedience to our God. In fact, I know we have a problem with this. I have a problem with this because Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Oh, it's okay to tell a little lie, a little white lie. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. Nobody's going to see. You know, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. I had a guy tell me years ago, I was working for the county, and this great guy, uh, really a super guy, but he, he, he never went to church or anything, never, never, never really heard anything about the Lord. And I'm not judging him, but I just, I asked him one day, I said, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, he said, I took care of that a long time ago. And I said, you, I, I didn't know how to answer that. I said, you took care of that a long time ago. He said, yeah. He said, years ago, he said, I went down the aisle. He said, I gave my, my heart to the Lord. He said, I got baptized. He said, man, I'm good. And I'm afraid, I'm really fearful that that's our concept of salvation in America today. We say the words, we do the deed, we get dunked in the water, and we're good to go. Then we can live the rest of our lives like we want to. And I think that's a problem. And I think the Lord has a problem. I want to give you the definition of obey, and then I'm going to chase a rabbit. And my wife's going to roll her eyes like she always does when I go down this rabbit hole. The definition of obey is to submit to the rule of authority. Submit to the rule of authority means I'm not in control. Now, here's the rabbit I'm going to chase. I love science fiction, okay? I love science fiction movies. I just love them. I Star Trek, you know, I'm, you know, live long and prosper. Uh, 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 Battlestar Galactica. I mean, if it's science fiction, I'm in. And my wife looks at me and she says, oh, God, you have a college education. Why are you watching that stuff? Because I like it. But there's another one I really like, Planet of the Apes. All right? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I like the remake of Planet of the Apes. And the second series of the remake of the Planet of the Apes is called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Hopefully, you'll remember my story because of this story. In Planet of the Apes, the apes, of course, have become self-aware. Most of the uh, population of the earth is gone, and I won't go into all the detail why. But the apes and the humans haven't seen each other in 15 years. They come in contact in the forest, a good small group. Of course, the humans get scared, shoots one of the apes, and that's where the problem begins. So the apes are having this big meeting, and there's a bunch of them. And Caesar, who is the leader, who is the first monkey to become self-aware, he's the leader of all this troop of all these monkeys, all different kinds, gorillas, orangutans, all this stuff. So he, they're discussing on what to do. He, because he was raised by humans, has a, has a, he loves them, has an affinity for them, and he's afraid if there's a battle, more apes are going to get killed. There's another ape called Kuba. 
Cuba was an experimental ape. So he's scarred up all over. I mean, he's got all these scars because humans had experimented on him. Well, they're talking, and they're all, they're all squatted down talking. And Cuba says, humans did this, and he points to a scar. And humans did this, and he points to another scar. And by this time, his voice is at screaming level. And he looks at the leader, and he says, and humans did this, and he's screaming. He points at his eye, which has been put out by the humans. Caesar, who is the leader, of course, is highly offended that he's being screamed at. So in the movie, he stands up and looks down at Cuba. Cuba realizes what he's done, and here's where I'm going with this long story. Cuba realizes what he's done. He, he, he bows his head, and he, he does this. He puts his hand up. And Caesar's looking at him for a long time and finally touches his hand, which means you're forgiven. The point is this. When we say yes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we say, I give you myself. I'm not in control anymore. You're in control. That's the position that we're to take. And that's the posture that I want us to be in as we go into the depths of this message this morning. You know, obedience means nothing at all if your actions don't follow. I can tell my wife all day long that I love her. But if my actions don't show that, she'll know it's a lie. I can tell my Lord, I love you. I'm at church. I'm praising you. But when I go out there, I live like the world. Then I'm a hypocrite. So my obedience must have actions and we're, we must yield to God's will, not our, not our own will. And I think here's where we, have a, where we have a problem. We begin to negotiate with God over our actions. How many in here, and you don't have to raise your hands. How many in here have negotiated? I've negotiated with God, haven't you? You do something, you know it's wrong, and, you, and the negotiation begins. Rather just submitting and asking forgiveness, we begin to, to justify our actions. So if I believe, if I truly believe, I'm going to obey, I'm going to submit, and I'm then going to walk in that obedience. Now, in verses 17 through 32, I'm sorry, Jeff, three principles. <laughs> I'm a principle guy. I'm a point guy. You know, my message is I got points and principles. So I believe in verses 17 through 32 of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to find three principles of us walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And this is a message that I'm giving this morning that I really want you to, to let soak into your heart and look at your own walk. That's what this message is all about. What does your own walk look like this morning? All right. So, the first principle, first principle, if you'll look at uh, verse 18 of chapter 4, it says this, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. What is the first principle? The first principle is I am to walk in light, not in darkness. 
I am to walk in light, not in darkness. Jesus, well, in fact, John said this in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Listen to verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're children of the light. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, he said this, and he's talking to you, believer. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, but on the lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen, Christian. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Obedience manifests itself, what? In works. You and I are light in a dark, dark world. Now, let me give you an example of this. Uh, okay, Eric, can you hit the lights? Okay, you can't turn out the Christmas tree lights, but that's okay. In this darkness, now, this is the world that we live in, right? Would you agree that we live in a dark world? All right. Doesn't Scripture say that light dispels the darkness? When you and I walk into an area, this is us. What does light do? It dispels the darkness. You know what the definition of darkness is? The absence of light. Exactly. So when I walk into a hospital room, when I walk into Walmart, when I walk into the filling station, when I walk into the Christmas party with a family, I'm the light. All right, Eric, thank you. You and I are the light so we must, if I'm going to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which I've been called, then I am an agent of light. And when I walk into a room, when I walk into a situation, I become God's representative and I become that light. And let me tell you this, it's not my light, right? It's not my light. Look at the moon. If it wasn't for the sun, we wouldn't even know the moon was there. Why? Because the moon is a reflection of the light of the sun. You and I are a reflection of the most high God that we serve. So we must walk in obedience to that calling, and we must be the light. I can't emphasize that enough. We're the ones that are supposed to have the answers, ladies and gentlemen. The world, as we know it, as we look around us, the world, would you agree the world is going nuts? It's going crazy. They're doing things and saying things, and I'm, I'm just, I just, my wife and I look at each other, and I said, I can't believe that came out of their mouth, or I can't believe they're doing that. But you want to know the real tragedy in all this? I see some Christians that are following some of these crazy things that are going on. We're not to judge, but we're not to be a part of what's going on. Well, I might hurt their feelings. Yeah, you probably will. Well, they might get mad. Yeah, they probably will. Well, it's not my, 
It's not my position to judge. No, it's not. But it's your position to stand in the gap. It's your and my position to be that light and say, no, that's not right. Because let me tell you something. We all live by a certain code, right? I mean, we all live by something. We all live by certain rules. What, is you, what rules do you walk by? Is it the rules of this book? This holy word of God? We're supposed to do what this Bible says we're supposed to do and not do what the Bible says we're not supposed to do, right? That's walking in a manner, manner worthy of our calling, listening to what God says. So we must walk in light, not in darkness. Okay. In fact, 1 John 4, 4 says what? Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. So God lives in each one of us. All right, that's the first principle. I'm to walk in light. I'm not to walk in darkness. What's the second principle? The second principle we find in verse 24. Verse 24 says this, and I love this. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So, second principle, I'm to walk in righteousness and in holiness, not in ungodliness. Righteousness is being acceptable to God. That's what righteousness really is. Noah was the first person in the Bible to be called righteous. In uh, Genesis 6, 9, it says, listen to this, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So here, when we look at righteousness, it's actually in two parts. There's two aspects of it. Number one, it's doing the right thing, being blameless, doing the right thing. I mean, even in the little stuff. Let me tell you a little story. One time, Candy and I were going on a trip somewhere, and I didn't have a carry-on luggage. Mine broke or something happened to it, and we were in a hurry. So I ran to Walmart, and I bought just a little cheap carry-on luggage. Bought it, paid for it, went home. I got home, and I opened it up, and there was a baseball cap in it. Somebody had taken a baseball cap and put it in the luggage. Now, you say, well, that doesn't. That's not a big deal. You just got yourself another baseball cap. No. I was horrified. My first thought was, they're going to think I stole this. My second thought was, they don't know that I have this. But I knew. And I knew that God knew. And so I took the hat back, and I walked into customer service, and I said, "Uh, I want to return this hat. Okay, what's wrong with it? I said, nothing's wrong with it. I bought a suitcase, and this was in it. I didn't pay for this hat. It's not mine, so I'm returning it. This woman looked at me like I had six heads, and she just kind of glazed over like, are you kidding me? Folks, we're to do the right thing regardless of how small it is. And I'm not saying look at me. I'm just trying to make an example here. You know, God has no grays. There's a black and there's a white. I believe one of the big ten in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 is thou shalt not steal. If I had kept that hat, I would have been stealing. You see where I'm going with this? We have got to do the right thing. You know that if you never tell a lie, you don't have to have a very good memory. 
We're to speak the truth in all things. So, I'm to do the right thing, and I'm to have a right relationship. They go hand in hand. Scripture says that he walked with God, that Noah walked with God. So, that righteousness is dependent upon what? Our faith. In Genesis 15, 6, Abraham proved his point when he said, when the Scripture says, and he believed God, Abraham, and God counted to him as righteousness. Faith, faith, that assurance of things hoped for, that convictions of things not seen. That's who we are. Remember, the premise for this message is I'm walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which I've been called. We all have the same responsibility, even though our callings are different, right? I mean, Pastor Jeff, he was called to be a pastor. I was called to be a pastor. Some of you may have been called to be, to be singers, uh, to be worship leaders. Uh, some of you may have been called to cook and bake cookies. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, there, there are no slob jobs in the kingdom of God, right? They're all, we're all the same, and we're all called. But we're called to walk in a manner worthy that we've been called no matter what we've been called into. And I think that's important that we remember that. Being holy. Being holy, we're to be righteous, we're to be holy. That word holy means being set apart by God. Same word is sanctified. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, it tells us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood of believers. Did you know that's who you are? Did you know that in God's eyes that you are a, a priest? Sounds foreign to us today, doesn't it? I'm not a priest. Yes, you are. That's what Scripture said. That we're chosen. We're holy. We're sanctified. We are set apart from the world. We live in the world. We work and play and eat and sleep in the world. But we're apart from the way the world works. We are supposed to be the priest. We are supposed to be those who are setting the stage in, in showing people who God is. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 11, it says this, but listen to this, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I think sometimes we forget that in our walk with God that we are washed, we're sanctified, we're justified. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.16, it says, you shall be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. God is holy, and he demands righteousness and holiness for his people. See, we've, we've watered all this down in today's world. It's kind of been watered down, and we don't understand what our part of salvation is all about. We can't say we love the Lord. I mean, I love Sunday mornings, absolutely love Sunday mornings. You know, the body gets together, we praise God, we, we, we worship Him, the, the Word is broken uh, unto us and given to us, and we can chew on that Word of God and, and receive it into our hearts. But then we walk out those doors and we walk right smack dab into the mission field. 
you and I are set apart. Now, we're not to be judgmental. Sometimes Christians have a problem with being judgmental. You know, we look down our nose at this and look down our nose at that. Folks, we're not judges. We're the, we're the bringers of the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not my responsibility nor your responsibility to get anybody saved. Years ago, I, I was working uh, for a bank, and, and a gal came to me, and she, she was real concerned about this individual. She said, oh, I've just got to get this person saved. I've just got to get him saved. And I stopped her right there, and I said, you need to think about what you're saying. What are you talking about? I said, you can't save anybody. What do you mean you've got to get this person saved? All you can do is show him the love of Christ, pray for him, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. That's our responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. We're to, that's just walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. We are the bringers, the, the bringers of the good news of the gospel. And so we've got to remember that. We are the holiness of God. We're the righteousness of God. Um, and you know that, that word holy uh, is not a one-shot deal. It's a continual process, right? It, it, it's a continual process. Uh, I know in Philippians 2.12, it tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But holiness, where each day we're working, not working, I want to use that word work or strive, but we're, we're moving into that holiness more and more and more. Hopefully, I'll be more holy tomorrow than I was today because I'll have more Jesus in me, and I'll be, and I'll be giving out that word, and I'll be loving other, others, and I'll be obedient by showing that love. So that holiness is a process that we're going, and we'll never achieve it fully until we're with him. But that's what we're to do. We're to keep, to keep going and going and, and, and talking about Jesus and showing others about Jesus. Right now, right now, I will guarantee you that you know at least one, and I bet more, people that are friends, co-workers, or family that need to know Jesus. I bet everybody in here can say, yeah, I know. I've got family members that I pray for. We know people that need Jesus. And the only way we're going to do that is by being obedient and walking in that calling with which we've been called. So we've got to, we've got to walk in light. We can't walk in, our, in the darkness that's in the world. I'm to walk in righteousness and holiness, not ungodliness. And the final one, number three, we find in verses 20 through 24. Scripture says this, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you laid aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, I'm going to read verse 24 again, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So our third principle that we find here is I'm to walk in my new nature, not my old nature. Do you remember how you were before you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? You were walking in the flesh. You were walking in the world. And you were agreeing. I mean, I can remember when, when I, I was a lot more time in the world than I was with the Lord. 
But when I said yes to Jesus Christ, then uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 became a real thing to me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Listen to this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if I'm going to be walking in that manner, I'm not going to be walking in my old self. I'm going to be walking in my new self. And I'm going to tell you something. You wouldn't like my old self very well. My old self was prideful. My old self wanted lots of stuff that were not godly. And I walked in that. But we're not to do that. We are to walk in the newness of our of God changing us. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, we see a listing of the deeds of the flesh. That's your old self. Listing of the flesh. And then right after that, we see a listing of the fruits of the Spirit. That's your new self. So I'm not to walk in the deeds of the flesh, but the fruits of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And hopefully that's what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we ran, my, my wife and I were at Walmart, imagine that, the other day. And we ran into a couple that used to go to the gathering at Brock. Really a sweet couple. This guy was just uh, David and Lou, uh, Pastor Jeff, David and Lulu. Uh, yeah, they're, they're wonderful people. And he, of course, every time you see him, he's got a smile from ear to ear. And he's just talking. And this is what he said to me. He said, man, Mike, he said, he said, I've already prayed for three people in here. He said, there's people in here that have lots of needs. This guy, no matter where you find him, he's on fire for the Lord, you know. And so he's, he's like a heat-seeking missile if he sees you. In fact, uh, he didn't know that Candy had broken her leg. And so Candy was one of them that, that he was praying. He just stopped in the middle of Walmart and prayed. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, I challenge you to do that. What a blessing of God. And you know what? Of the people that I've talked to and I've questioned, do you know that I've never had somebody say, nope, don't want you to pray for me? The only time that's ever happened is I I was wanting to pray for a man who tried to commit suicide. I was a chaplain up here at the hospital, and he he wasn't successful. And I walked in and talked to him, and he said, no, I don't want any part of it. Out of all my experience in witnessing and praying for people, he's the only one that ever told me, no, I don't want you to pray for me. But you know what? That's okay. Because it's not our job to get anybody saved. It's our job to reflect Christ. And if they reject it, they're not rejecting you. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't think that. They're rejecting what you're offering. Don't be offended when somebody slams the door. Don't be offended when somebody says no to you. Because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting what you have. They're rejecting your light. And so you and I must walk in that new manner. In fact, uh, in uh, Galatians 5, verse 25, it says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if I'm living in the Spirit, I'm walking in that Spirit, and I'm walking in a manner worthy 
Worthy of who? Worthy of God. Worthy of the, of the God, the creator of the universe. Worthy of the God that I bent my knee and I raised my hand and bowed my head and said, I give it all to you. And when he touched my hand, I was forgiven. I was no longer a sinner. I was now the righteousness of God. Right, Marianne? When you say yes to Jesus Christ, quit looking at yourself as a sinner. Your sins have been forgiven. Now, do we mess up? Sure, we mess up. Do we ask for forgiveness? Sure, we ask for forgiveness. So we can have that relationship with God. But the Bible says that if we confess our sins... He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm not walking in my former self anymore. I'm walking in my new nature, which has been uh, given to me by my creator, God. And then I spend the rest of my life representing him. You know, you can look at me, and obviously my wife and I, were not married when I was 12 and she was 10. We're getting on into our latter years. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says that I get to retire from the Word of God. I may retire from a job. I may retire from a position. But my life is God. And so as long as there's life and breath in this body, then I'm going to be proclaiming the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ and praying that the Holy Spirit will descend and touch each one of you in a mighty way, in a wonderful way. This is the Christmas season. You know, this is absolutely the happiest time and the worst time in people's lives. We're joyous, trees up, presents, singing songs, uh, having parties, uh, eating, drinking, having a good time. But did you know that the highest number of suicides occur during this time of year? That shows you the depth and despair of the world that we live in. And you're that light. You're that joy. You're that individual that can make a difference in someone's life. You know how? By just caring. By just telling someone you love them. By looking for that person in Walmart that's on their last, they're, they're, they're just hanging on by a fingernail. And they're pretty obvious who they are, a lot of them. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to pray for someone in public. You're the righteousness of God. You're the light. Of course, we don't have to turn the, turn the lights out again. But you're, you're the light. You know, if I walked up and put this in your face, I would blind you. But this is who you are, you know. This is who I am. I look like Iron Man, don't I? 
This is who I am. I love science fiction, obviously. This is who I am. I'm walking around, and my light is shining. And you know what? You can't put my light out because my light's not my own. My light's from the Father. And greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. So I want to encourage you. Walk in a manner worthy of the God that selected you and picked you. And now preach the word. Be ready. In season. Out of season. Marianne, you're 90, right? She's still as active as she can be. She, she's my hero. If I live to be 90, I hope I'm still like her. I'm still just teaching and preaching and loving and giving out the word of Jesus Christ. God loves you. He gave his son for you. And he wants the best for you. And if you haven't done it, would you just bow your heads and yield to him? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that we can come together as believers and we can break open this bread of life and we can discuss it and we can talk about it and laugh about it and we can apply it. God, we, are, we were sinners. We've been saved by grace and now with the righteousness of God. Help us to live in that manner where we walk worthy of your calling. We're not afraid to share the gospel with other people. So, Father, I ask a blessing now upon each person that's here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeff. Man, Pastor Mike, thank you for sharing and, man, great word today. We got a couple of announcements. The first one is uh, related to our youth. Uh, so we got two more. So family nights are done on Wednesday nights, but uh, the youth will continue to meet. They'll meet this Wednesday night up here at the church. And then the next week, December the 20th, it's going to be a party at the Jenkins house. Woo, y'all are brave folks over there, you know, dividing youth. Yeah, it wasn't her idea, <laughs> Shelby said. Uh, no, I'm joking. She's joking. But it's going to be a great uh, time, Christmas party. I think, is it pajamas and sweaters, something? It involves clothes, at least, if you don't wear those, wear something else. But uh, there'll be a party there. And then we'll start, uh, family nights will start back up January the 10th on Wednesday nights. And then the last one is Christmas Eve service. 
We will have our rate. It's on a Sunday this year. If you don't know that, you should start to be planning and talking with your spouse because I'm sure she knows. All right. So uh, we'll have our regular service at 10 a.m. And then we'll have a Christmas Eve candlelight service at 5 p.m. And uh, what, what that will look like is five and under will be in a class because we don't feel like they need candles then burning each other and us. So five and under will be in there. You are welcome to keep them in here if you want to. Uh, mine will be in there, and then uh, and then everyone else will be here together. There'll be some treats uh, out there for for you guys, and but it's just gonna be a great time. Hattie got excited about the treats. All right, <laughs> like, she was a dog, like oh yeah, treats. Uh, but uh, there'll be there'll be a, it'll be a great time of just focusing on him, worshiping him. Good news is uh, Christmas Eve candlelight services. The preaching's like fifteen minutes. So hey. I can't be that bad for 15 minutes, right? You'll get the best I got. But just want to uh, be with you guys on that on that time as we celebrate him. So there you go. You guys are dismissed. Go get your kiddos. That I am right now Wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do To let you down Does it take a trophy To make you cry I'll never be more loved